Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, June 14th, 2016. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Boston, Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery, BeantownAthletics.com. Today's show is presented by SeatGeek. SeatGeek has made it easier than ever before to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, what's great about SeatGeek is the price you see is the price you get. Most sites are going to try to surprise you at checkout with these outrageous fees, but not SeatGeek. So make sure you download the free SeatGeek app right now and get a $20 rebate on tickets by using the promo code PICARD. That's right, as in my last name, PICARD. Now, tonight at Fenway, a huge series begins between the Boston Red Sox and the Baltimore Orioles. This is the hottest ticket in town right now. And if there ever has been a playoff atmosphere at Fenway in the month of June, in the middle of June, then this would be it. This would be the series that has that playoff-type atmosphere. And as I said, the hottest ticket in town right now. So not only can you get this ticket on SeatGeek, but you can also get $20 off your tickets by using my promo code. And also what you can do is set an alert for the entire three-game series And in the next couple days, you know, let's say you can't go tonight. Let's say you can't go tomorrow night. It's a three-game series. Let's say you want to go on Thursday night. You can set an alert right now on the SeatGeek app. And before Thursday's game, SeatGeek is going to let you know. They'll keep you updated when ticket prices fall so you can get the best deal possible. And, of course, on top of that, as I told you, you can get $20 off. Tonight, the matchup at Fenway, David Price against Chris Tillman. Going into this series, the reason this is such a big series, the Orioles and Red Sox are currently tied for first place in the AL East. Both teams have 36 wins. They both have a 36-26 and 26 record. And right behind them, the Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have 35 wins, but uh, they have 31 losses. Th- so the Blue Jays are three games out of first place behind the Red Sox and the Orioles. Right behind them are the Yankees. Yankees have 31 wins. The Yankees are five and a half games out of first place. And then the Tampa Bay Rays are in last place, uh, six and a half games out. But, you know, you forget about those three teams. Forget about the Blue Jays. Forget about the Yankees. Forget about the Rays. The Red Sox and the Orioles, the next three nights, this is beginning tonight. This is the biggest series of the year so far to this point uh, for both of these teams because first place is certainly on the line. And and I, I know it's early, but. If something happens in September where you miss out on the division or miss out on a playoff spot by one game and something happens in this series this week that doesn't go your way, you can look back at this game and say, wow, if you just took care of business in your own building against a divisional rival, a team that you were battling for first place with, maybe things would have been going a little bit differently for you as you get into October, if you're even playing in October. But both of these teams, the Orioles and the Red Sox, they are destined Uh, to sort of have this collision course for first place in the division, and that will go down tonight. David Price versus Chris Tillman. Tomorrow night, Wednesday night, it's going to be Stephen Wright, the knuckleballer for the Red Sox, on the mound against Wrighty for Baltimore, Tyler Wilson, and then Eduardo Rodriguez tries to get his act together on Thursday night against Kevin Gossman. So that's the way this series looks. You get your tickets right now on the free SeatGeek app and get $20 off by using my promo code PICARD. 
as in my last name, Picard. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or a concert. It should be the first place you go as well. So as I begin the show here today, I'm going to get into some NBA Finals because last night was a big one. And if you listen to me and listen to some of my picks, well, I think you're a happy person today, what I told you to do last night with this game. I'll get into that. I'll get into some more baseball uh, the All-Star Game voting is pretty wild, especially if you're a Red Sox fan like myself and you're looking at this from a Red Sox perspective, what the American League starting lineup in the All-Star Game could be based on what the voting looks like right now. I'll get into that. But first and foremost, I got to give a shout out to Molinari's Pizza in Dorchester. Uh, Molinari's is a new place here in Dorchester. It's on Adams Corner and they've been sending us food. They sent us food all week last week, food this week. They've been really taking care of us, so I got to give them a shout-out. The pizza that they've been sending us, the appetizers they've been sending us, absolute dynamite. It's the only wood-fired brick oven in Dorchester. It's a brand-new spot, Molinari's Pizzeria on Adams Corner on Adams Street. Make sure you go check it out. Uh, Keith Shepik. He's actually a Southie guy. He's running this place. The place is phenomenal. I went in there the other day. I went inside because they've been sending us so much food, which is just fantastic. I, I went in. I go, I got to check it out. Honestly, I, I, I couldn't believe how nice it was in there. And, and that's not to say that I had low expectations going in, but it was so nice. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, not only do I want the delivery deliveries to keep coming, I actually want to go in there and eat inside, and it's something that I will be doing uh, in the very near future. So just a fantastic pizzeria here in Dorchester, Molinari's. Make sure you stop by. Make sure you give them some business because I'm telling you right now, the pizza is absolutely phenomenal. As I mentioned, the only wood-fired brick oven in Dorchester. So special thanks to them uh, for sending us some food. And I think, you know, we've become spoiled with that now here at Beantown Athletics. Everybody's looking in the window every day uh, to me at noon to wonder if there's some food coming in. And you know what? Molinari's, they always come through in the clutch and... And you know what? It's, it's, it's not just that we're looking for free food or that we're eating free food because we're pretty picky here. If you know any of the boys here at Beantown, like whatever's going on back there, we got a group of very picky eaters. We do. Like picky people in this place. We're not going to just like any food that's sent to us. I'm, I'm going to tell you that right now. If you know some of the people that work here, you absolutely understand what I'm talking about. And if you know me, I'm one of the most picky eaters on the planet. I mean, it needs to be good for me to not just eat it, but then to want more of it after the fact. Molinari's, I I don't just eat it. I want more of it after the fact. So this is a fantastic little pizzeria here in Dorchester. Make sure you check it out. It's brand new. And, you know, I'm from Salty. So we have some great food in Salty. I'm, I'm spoiled with that. But um, so when I, I, you know, I come to Dorchester to do the show, you know, we get food. It's good. It's good. But... Molinari's, I tell you right now, out of all the food we got here in Dorchester, this is by far the best. It's not even close. It's by far the best. And, you know, it turns out, Salty guy running it, you know, Salty guy comes to Dorchester, opens up a shop. Of course, it's going to be the best spot in the neighborhood. So make sure you check out Molinari's Pizzeria on Adams Corner. Last night, NBA Finals. I told you on yesterday's podcast what was going to go down. I told you that the Cleveland Cavaliers were going to go into Golden State and beat the Warriors in Game 5, and force a Game 6 back in Cleveland. I told you it was going to happen. 
The Cavaliers were six-point dogs in this one last night. I told you to take the six points. I mean, I also felt comfortable with Cleveland winning, especially since Draymond Green was not in that game. He was suspended. I told you how I felt about that yesterday. I think it was a good suspension. I have taken LeBron out of the equation. As much as he may have instigated that by stepping over Draymond Green, I didn't like it. And, And I think you look at it and say, hey, boys will be boys. But guess what? With the way Draymond Green has been hitting people below the belt, I'm sorry. I mean, you, you got to step in as a league and do something about it. You just can't keep letting this guy react to physical altercations by hitting someone in the nuts, by hitting the other guy below the belt. I mean, that's a pussy move. So, uh, you just can't, it just can't happen. And he did it again to LeBron, and I took LeBron out of the equation. I think when you keep LeBron in the equation, I think it forces people to say, well, we don't like LeBron, so Draymond Green shouldn't be suspended. Like, Stephen A. Smith goes off on these rants. He did it again last night after the game. You know, these guys go these guys go back and forth. And you know why? Because I've been saying this. I've been crushing these NBA analysts all the time. They live in the moment so much. They overreact to one single moment. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. It is absolutely embarrassing. And Stephen A. Smith, he can't get over the suspension. He thinks it's, yeah, NBA should be ashamed of, the, of itself. I mean... I don't understand that logic because if you really feel that way, you're ignoring everything that Draymond Green did in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, I thought Draymond Green should have been ejected from that second game that he hit Steven Adams underneath the basket with his leg and the nuts, and I thought he should have been suspended the following game. He wasn't. He wasn't ejected. He wasn't suspended. They didn't do anything to him. They, what, they increased the the foul to a flagrant two or some shit? I don't know. Look, look, look. I get it. In an ideal world, in a perfect world, nobody's getting suspended in a game of that magnitude last night, especially with a championship on a line and a team in their own building that has a chance to win a title. But guess what? Guess who who made it a non-perfect world? Draymond Green! Did LeBron instigate? Yeah, he shouldn't have stepped over him, but he did. But that doesn't mean you react by hitting the guy in the nuts. I mean, come on, you got to control your emotions. You know, you got to do that. We look look at the NHL. You got guys that draw penalties all the time. And people will say, oh, you know what? He's a weasel, this, that, the other thing. Well, a lot of the time, the guy that we keep calling from the outside looking in, a lot of the times, the guy that we call a weasel, that guy's getting a little stick tapped to the shin pads when he gets back to the bench. That guy goes in the room and some of the boys are saying, nice, nice job. That's how to draw that power play. Thanks for, you know, you helped us get a, get a man advantage and we scored a goal on it. And we're going to win this playoff game because of that. I mean, from the outside looking in, we overreact to everything to the point where some of these NBA analysts just let their emotions in the moment, they just let it get the best of them. And I think it's embarrassing because these guys are supposed to be professionals and they're supposed to be providing us analysis that we can all see. And I just think that the more Stephen A. Smith, someone like him, gets so worked up about the Draymond Green suspension, I guess the more I wonder, like, like, did he, did he not see what Draymond Green did against Oklahoma City? Look, if that was the first time Draymond Green hit someone in the nuts, I, I don't think they suspend him. And I'd say, yeah, you probably shouldn't suspend him, you know? Um, but guess what? It's the third time in, like, six games. So come on now. I, something's got to give. You can't just let this guy keep doing it. I don't care who he did it to. He could have done it to Richard Jefferson. It doesn't matter. Suspension worthy. I'm glad they suspended him.
because they suspended him, okay, Cleveland, at least offensively, had an easier night for themselves because Draymond Green, all right, he helps defense, but I think Draymond Green helps on the offensive side. Like, they were making a lot about Draymond Green's defense and how that affected things. I also think Draymond Green's offense and his lack, his non-presence, I think it affects Golden State's offense as well. I certainly, I do. I think Draymond Green has turned into a great player in this league. There's no question about it. And he was absolutely missed. But I told you yesterday that even if, even if he played in this one, Here's what I know about LeBron James. And I'm, oh, last night on Twitter, oh, yesterday, everybody's using the same example I've used with, with LeBron, which is, you know, what I, when LeBron James came into the garden a couple of years ago and basically ended the big threes run with them, he was in, with the Miami Heat. The Celtics won that game five in Miami. The Paul Pierce shot LeBron in his face, Pierce buried it. That's a get your newspaper the next day shot with that picture of Paul Pierce burying that, that three or that whatever it was, the deep two, the big shot at the end. Celtics have a 3-2 series lead. They come home, game six, look to close it out. LeBron comes in with Miami, puts up 40, brings it back home for a game seven, and you know the, the story there. The Heat went on to win it. Uh, I've seen, I've used that example here the last week or so. I've seen LeBron James go on the road in a must-win situation with his team trailing in a series, and I've seen him put up 40 points and silence everybody in the building, silence the critics, and silence the other team that thinks they're the best team in the history of the game. I mean, I've seen LeBron do that. I I witnessed it firsthand. I was there as a fan. I was as frustrated and upset and as beside myself as I could possibly be because I went into that game thinking, the way Game 5 ended, it was so good. The Celtics are back home, you know, back in the gut, and there's no way they lose that game, and then boom. Just like that, the best player in the world can change the way you feel about a series. I've seen it. So I told you going into this one last night that since I know that can happen, I cannot rule out Cleveland. And without Draymond Green and the Cavs were six-point dogs, I told you to take the six points. Take the Cavaliers in this one, and that's exactly... What happened? The Cavaliers beat the Warriors 112-97 to last night. And the story of the game, LeBron James, 41 points, 16 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 blocks. And oh yeah, Kyrie Irving, who was a man possessed in the fourth quarter. 41 points also for Kyrie Irving. 41 for Irving, 41 for LeBron James. They combined for 82 points in this one. 82 and while that was going on, Kevin Love, who was put back in the starting lineup, got 33 minutes. Good decision, I thought, to put him back in the starting lineup. I don't know what, what, what made him good enough to be in the starting lineup this game and not the last game. Uh, but y- the good move was you didn't even give Jefferson as many minutes as Love. Jefferson came off the bench, only got 14 minutes. Uh, Love got 33 minutes and was back in the starting lineup. But Love only had two points. But I mean... I. You know, people are going to focus on that. And people are going to overreact to the Kevin Love stuff again today. The, the overreactions with the NBA guys is like, guys, settle down. And especially now here in Boston, like it brings it, it always brings us back to the Celtics. It brings me back to the Celtics because I do look at these series and I think, hey, the Celtics got a big offseason. You know, they get the number three overall pick. I told you the report yesterday that uh, the Celtics were aggressively shopping that pick to get a difference maker and an impact player right now in a trade, right? And today the report is that the Celtics are once again really trying to get Jimmy Butler along with the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Timberwolves have the number five overall pick, 
and the Celtics, they have the number three, so technically the Celtics have more to give with regards to draft picks, but I think what's interesting about the Timberwolves is, and I don't know that they'd be willing to do this, I, I don't know that they would, but if they thought that maybe, let's say, Jimmy Butler would be a much much more of an impact player than someone like Wiggins could be in a couple of years, I don't know. Maybe that, that would be a deal that the Celtics probably wouldn't be able to, um, to top, I don't think, if it was a package of Wiggins in the number five. Now, you, you wonder, is that giving up way too much? I mean, the Timberwolves look like they got, you know, they're ready to roll. Carl Anthony Towns is an absolute beast. Uh, do you, you want to give up Wiggins? Well, um, you're going to give up something to get something. And I guess if you're Minnesota, if you really want Jimmy Butler and you need to give up more than the Celtics have to give up, I guess that would be... The only reason I say that is because that's the type of deal that would trump whatever the Celtics have to give up, right? That's That would be the type of deal. I don't know if Minnesota's going to do that. To be honest with you, I wouldn't do that if I was Minnesota. Like, I wouldn't give up Wiggins. But I'm just thinking out loud, if, if you're Minnesota and you know there's a team like the Celtics that has a pick, a couple picks ahead of you, you know they have the better deal to offer. I think if you're Minnesota, you really have to go above and beyond to overwhelm to be able to get someone like Jimmy Butler if the Celtics are also trying to get him too. But that's the report. Timberwolves, Celtics. But because of that, and I bring up someone like DeMarcus Cousins, like I'll still take Cousins over Butler any day of the week. Like I'd rather see the Celtics go after uh, DeMarcus Cousins and contact Sacramento. Like That's the move I want to see because I also think that someone like DeMarcus Cousins would attract Kevin Durant a little bit more than Jimmy Butler would. Not that Butler wouldn't attract Durant, but I think Cousins would attract Durant a little bit more. Uh, but, but all that said, uh, that's why I look at the offseason, I think of the Celtics whenever I watch these games. And here in Boston, you know, you, we look at Kevin Love, and, and people say, because you know Kevin Love's name is going to come up again in trades. In fact, we already heard the rumors, like last week, going into this series, right? I mean, when Toronto went and won two games in the Eastern Conference Finals and even that series of two, reports were coming out that, Oh, Kevin Love's going to be made available this offseason. And the overreactions continued to all these NBA guys living in the moment. And we got all caught up in the Kevin Love trade rumors again. And, you know, the question that we have here in Boston is, as we watch the Cavaliers in these playoffs, the question is, would you take Kevin Love and what would you give up to get him? And I keep hearing this, this, this thought. Let's get something out of the way real quick. If you're Cleveland... And, and you agree with this notion that I agree with, which is that LeBron James is really the guy that's running the team. LeBron James is in the meeting room when they're making decisions, personnel decisions, player movement, roster changes, coaching changes. LeBron's in the fucking room, okay? He's in the room. Let's not. If you think he's not in the room, if you believe what LeBron says when he says, oh, they're making moves and that has nothing to do with me, you're an idiot. You're an idiot, okay? LeBron's in the room. So... If you think he's not, take a step back, evaluate the situation at hand, and know that the Cavaliers, the Cavaliers cannot afford, they can't afford to, to have LeBron on the outside of those discussions or those decisions. Because if they made a move that LeBron didn't like, guess what LeBron can do? He can up and leave. And we've heard the rumor that he might if they, you know, if they end up winning the title, that he might leave. I, I don't. I don't necessarily know that he'd do that. People have teased that idea. But still, since it's even been a thought, if you're Cleveland, you got to have LeBron's in the room to make those decisions. Now, 
with, with that said, and knowing that he's in the room to make those decisions, do you think LeBron James, as he's trying to, he has one goal with the Cavaliers, win a championship, not in five years, not in three years, next year, this year, the year after that. LeBron wants to win right now. LeBron's not getting any younger. He knows that. And he came to Cleveland for one reason, to get them a championship. Again, not in five years. So if, if you're the Cavaliers, let's get this out of the way. Because here in Boston, we, got, we keep talking about the Kevin Love trade rumor. And I keep hearing the number three overall pick involved in that trade. And here's, let's just get this out of the way. The Cavaliers, if they're going to trade you, Kevin Love, if they're going to trade Love to the Celtics, they are not going to get, they're not going to ask for the number three overall pick, okay? Like, that's not what they want. If anything, there would, be a, there would have to be a third team involved in which the number three overall pick goes to the third team and the Cavaliers somehow in return can get the superstar player to join forces with LeBron and Irvin. But then you get into, well, if you're going to go that route if you're the Celtics and you're going to try to convince a third party or a third team to give a superstar player to Cleveland to help them win a championship and you take love... If you're the Celtics, why would you even get Cleveland involved in that? Why wouldn't you just distance yourself from the Cavaliers, let them figure that out on their own, and you take that number three overall pick, and you get the superstar player from the other team? Like, why wouldn't you do that? So, the idea that we even discuss the number three overall pick in a potential offseason move for Kevin Love makes no sense to me because the Cavaliers, at the end of the day, are not going to trade Love in exchange for the number three overall pick. If they trade Love, they are going to go out and somehow acquire a big-name player. That's what they're going to do. And because they're not building for the future. They're building for right now. So that discussion, to me, is just, it's, it's a waste of my time. I don't, I, don't have, I don't even have time to think about the number three overall pick and Kevin Love in the same sentence. It doesn't make sense for the Cavs. It doesn't make sense for the Celtics, okay? Let's get back to the Celtics. I mean, let's say the Cavaliers were crazy enough to take the three pick. It's not going to happen, but let's say they were. You're going to trade the number three pick to get Kevin Love if you're the Celtics? Look, and, and, and here's, here's again back to the overreactions to Kevin Love. Kevin Love has two points last night. I can only, I, I've already seen tweets, people going, oh, well, Kevin Love, you know, he's soft and, and I don't want him on my team. Look. I have told you, I'm not a Kevin Love fan. I'd prefer to not give up a lot to get him to put him in a Celtics uniform. I will say this, though. He can help the Celtics. And just because he had two points last night, I'm not going to go to the... I'm not bouncing. See, people bounce from one extreme to the other based on living in the single moment now of Love only having two points or Love not getting along with the Cavaliers. Stop. Stop. Kevin Love is someone who is going to grab your rebounds. He's going to hit you threes. He didn't have a good night last night. But you know what? He's had some big games in these playoffs to the point where I'm not going to close the door on it if I'm Danny Ainge. But at the same time, I'm not going to give up too much. If you can get, like this, my point is this. Last night's game for Kevin Love, two points in 33 minutes. One for five from the field. 0 for 3 from the three-point line. Didn't even attempt a free throw. Only grabbed three rebounds, all on the defensive end. One assist. Had one block. Um, I, I, I'm not going to look at one game and sit here and tell you, got to stay away from the guy. Or if he comes out in game six and scores 35 points and hits eight three-pointers 
and is the, the player of the game that, that forces a game seven, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, got to give up the number three pick, got to give up a blockbuster package to try and get Kevin Love. No. I think you got to take Kevin Love for what he is. There's a large enough sample size for Kevin Love where we shouldn't be taking one game in the playoffs or any situation of body language with another teammate and overreacting to it. This isn't a guy that's been in the league for two, three years. Love's been around for a while. I think if you watch the NBA, you know what love is. And if you know what love is, in my opinion, you should know that, okay, he could definitely help the Celtics. But you got to, you know, I don't think, I don't think you should be giving up the type of package that you would give up for someone like Demarcus Cousins or even a Jimmy Butler. Like, I just, I think you need to give up a little less than that. And if you can't get him for less than that, then guess what? You don't do it. You don't do it. But we get so wrapped up in it now that I hear some people here seeing Love's game last night. They're going, oh, we don't want any part of Love. I've never been someone that in the last year, see, my my thoughts on Love changed last year with his personality, the way he reacted to some of the LeBron social media stuff. Not to condone what LeBron was doing, but but I didn't like Love's reaction to it. And I, I, I changed a lot on him. Um, I've never closed the door on, on wanting him in Boston, though. I just, I, I, I don't think you should be putting together this blockbuster package to, to acquire him. I just don't see it. And if you're Cleveland, I, you, don't, you don't want the number three pick because it's LeBron making the moves at the end of the day. If he sticks around, he wants to win right now. What do you get with the number three pick that's going to help you win right now if you lose love? Love is better than anybody that you take number three overall. It's not even, and it wouldn't even be close. So it, the trade to me, the trade talk for Love right now is, especially with the Celtics with the number three pick, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. But last night, Love had a bad night. It didn't matter because LeBron James and Kyrie Irving had great nights. They played like uh, men who were possessed, especially Irving in that fourth quarter. And the Warriors defensively, they didn't have an answer. They really didn't. Love was finishing at the basket. Excuse me, not Kevin Love. Kevin Love was definitely not finishing at the basket. Kyrie Irving, I meant, was finishing at the basket. And Irving was also just burying his jump shots, some crazy fadeaways there. Uh, and as you know, LeBron James, just a man amongst boys at times. 43 minutes for LeBron, 41 points. Irving, 40 minutes, 41 points. They combined for 82, and the Cavaliers win it. 112 to 97. They force a game six back in Cleveland. And that game six is going to be Thursday night, not tomorrow night. They're going to get a couple days off in between. Thursday night. Right now, the Cavs open as two and a half point favorites. That's favorites at home, mainly because it's at home, right? And um, Draymond Green's going to be back for the Warriors, and that's going to change some things. But one thing that, you know, if I'm a Cavalier fan and I'd be intrigued with after last night's game, I think it would be easy. It would have been easy last night for the Cavaliers, the way they won this game, the way that LeBron and Irving with their just, I mean, these are history book type performances that they, that they put on last night together. It's a, it's a history book type performance for both of those guys. Combined for 82 of 112. Um, It would have been easy, I think, since that happened in Golden State and you beat the Warriors on their home court as the Larry O'Brien trophy was in the building with the Warriors having a chance to win it. And you say, hey, we're going back home to Cleveland. I think it would have been easy for the Cavaliers to 
to be a little bit more joyous about that last night and to celebrate that victory a little bit more. But what I saw from Cleveland, especially two guys in LeBron and Irving, which if I'm a Cavalier fan, I would love, is that they looked like they left, they won the game, the game was over, they did their post game, they walked off the court, and it was almost like a business as usual, but also it was they have more to take care of. Like, business isn't done just yet. Like, there's more that they need to do. They have unfinished business. That was the mindset it looked like those two guys had. And that could be a scary mindset if you're Golden State. Now, Golden State certainly has the type of players offensively that they can they could turn it around. They could show up at Cleveland and they have the best two shooters in the gym in Curry and Thompson. But I think if you're the Cavaliers, if you're a Cavalier fan, I think you like to... You want your team to have the demeanor that they had last night when they won that game. It would have been easy to celebrate that victory, to be happy about that, to be happy that they forced another one, that they stay alive, to sort of take that win as a, a, a relief. You know, that's a weight off their shoulders. Okay, they get to go back home. Didn't look like that. Didn't look like they handled it that way. And I think that's the right way to do it. It's a, this is a business. That was a business attitude last night, like unfinished business. And if you're a Cavalier fan, I think you got to like what you saw from at least the, the the mindset it looked like those two guys, James and Irvin, had last night. And you know what? If they keep, I think they need to stick with Love in the starting lineup, stick with him there, get him a couple more shots, mix J.R. Smith in a little bit to take a couple more threes. And and I think I think the Cavaliers definitely have a shot to force a game seven. And if, it, if they can force a game seven, I'm telling you right now, that you got to look at it like this if you're Cleveland. It's a good problem to have. I know you're on the road. I know you're in Golden State, and it's going to be awfully tough to be able to beat that Golden State team in their building again, especially if they get Draymond Green back, which they will for that one. But look at it this way. It could be worse. You could be in that game seven, and you couldn't have the best player in the world. I mean, I'd take my chances. If I'm Cleveland, I'm taking my chances. Get the game seven and have LeBron on my side. And if you watch this game last night and you still want to tell me that Kyrie Irving's absence in last year's NBA Finals didn't mean anything, then, well, I guess you didn't watch last night. I guess you didn't watch last night's game. Don't forget, you know, the Cavaliers who were in this type of situation last year in which they won two games in that Finals last year, right? And they go into a game six. They didn't have Irving. They didn't have Love. I'm not going to throw in the towel that Love on Love in this series. I think Love could give you another big game. And if he can, and he can do it in game six, and he can help them force a game seven, then guess what? You put the game, you you basically say, LeBron, go win us a championship. This is why we got you. And the addition of Irving this time around, where you missed him last year at this point of the series, uh, that that certainly could help. But I, I don't think, you know, I know people will say, well, they're going into Golden State. If they force a game seven, it's in Golden State. It's going to be awfully tough to do because Draymond Green's going to be back and playing. I get it. It's not going to be easy. But I don't think, I don't think it's a bad problem to say, hey, we got one game. It's win a championship or go home. And anything can happen in a game seven. Who would you rather have on your team? Honestly, I, I, I love Steph Curry. I love what the Splash Brothers are able to do. I acknowledge that Draymond Green has turned into an all-star in this league and a big money player. But 
if you line all those guys up against the wall and you ask me to take one guy to win me one game or at least be on my team, be the leader of my team, and be the guy that I put the ball in his hands with the season on the line and a, and a championship at stake to win one game to win you a title, who's it going to be? It's going to be LeBron James. Doesn't mean I like his personality. Doesn't mean uh, I enjoy his press conferences or anything that comes out of his mouth or anything that he does on social media. But I'm just trying to be realistic with you and trying to break this down in a realistic fashion. I think something that you do not see the analysts do, the NBA guys just overreact to everything. And um, what is not an overreaction is LeBron James is the best player in the world and there's nobody else that I'd rather have on my team right now in 2016 to win me a big game. And the Cavaliers have him. And that's not a bad problem to have because now they come home and I think it is very realistic that they can put a game together to force a game seven, and that's when you are in position to say, LeBron, you came here for one reason. You have one game to do it. What do you got for us, big dog? And if you think LeBron isn't capable of giving you that big game with the season on the line, you haven't been following his career. You didn't watch that game with him in the heat against the Celtics at the Garden in that game six a couple years ago. You didn't certainly watch last night's game. Okay? So, uh, LeBron's capable. He's more than capable. And I think he's got a chance to do it. I think they force a game seven. As of right now, though, the Cavs open as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. If, game, if there is a game seven, if they do win, if the Cavaliers do win game six and there is a game seven, little scheduling note, that game seven is going to be Sunday night. Sunday night in Golden State. So you got game six Thursday, and you'll have two more days off if necessary. Sunday night, game seven. So that's what we have in the NBA Finals. Outside of that, as we get back into a little bit of baseball, I know the Red Sox had last night off, so there's not really much to break down with regards to what happened on the field, but they are coming off a series in Minnesota in which they won two of three. It was a tough loss, though, in the third game. You should beat, excuse me, you should sweep that Minnesota team. They didn't, but still, look, you can't sit there and hop on it. You got to move on to the next series, and this next series is huge. As I open with the Baltimore Orioles in town, both teams tied for first place in the AL East, and you just a stud matchup tonight. David Price going up against Chris Tillman. A couple notes on Chris Tillman: he's having a very good season, and he threw seven and a third scoreless innings while striking out nine in a win over Kansas City on last week on Wednesday. Now, here's another note on Chris Tillman, Orioles starting pitcher tonight. Tillman has not lost the start since April 14th, and he has a nine, he's 9-3 nine and three with a 2.84 ERA in 18 career starts against the Red Sox. So Tillman is very good against the Red Sox, so all eyes really will be on David Price. Can he keep this a low-scoring game against an Orioles team that does like to get up there and hack? And they got guys that can put the balls in the seats. And Price, at times, has given up the home run ball a little bit more than we'd like for a guy who's making 30 mil a season. Uh, but David Price is certainly on a little stretch here where I think we have calmed down about him when like people are not nervous about David Price anymore. However, yes, we're still looking at him to be the ace, especially in a big spot. And I don't just mean ace, I mean dominant. I mean, go out there and razzle and dazzle and get us... Just give us an eye-opening performance, especially in a series like this, to open up a series like this in a game like tonight. Playoff atmosphere. Go out there and be the guy that we just paid 30 mil a season for. 
Like, this is it tonight. This is the type of start, the type of game. I'd love to see Price go out, and I'd love to see him give you seven and two-thirds, eight innings, just a dazzling performance, nine, ten strikeouts, uh, no walks, no home runs. You know, you want to let it, he lets up a run, maybe two. Hey, look, go out there, go eight innings, strike out ten, be that guy in a big game against a division rival to begin a huge series at Fenway. When you pay a guy 30 mil, you certainly don't just look for one, you know, just just one of those type of stats. You look for many of those. And this is a, a perfect opportunity for Price tonight, while he's on this pretty good stretch, to not just continue to be pretty good, but to 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 razzle and dazzle and be a stud. This would be the game to do it. I I think the critics are sort of off his back. And I told you, I wasn't gonna run the guy out of town. There were concerns with the velocity. He's turned that around. We see him throwing 93-94. Sometimes can dial it up a little bit more. Um, But David Price, I think the critics are off his back. But that said, there is still that wow factor, that that razzle and dazzle. It's missing. We need to see it. And what better spot to see it than tonight against the Orioles at Fenway. And Oh, yeah, once again, you need tickets. Get the SeatGeek app and type in the promo code PICARD to get $20 off. Make sure you do that. It should be the only place you go to get your tickets. SeatGeek. And um, I, I did tell you about the All-Star Game voting. And I, I was excited to see it. I'm not, a, I'm not an All-Star Game voting guy. Like I do remember, though, when I was a kid, I was always very excited when you go to Fenway and you get the All-Star Game sheets. And you, you, know, you poke the holes out for the guys. Or you can just usually just write them in if you don't want to poke them out. Um, just, you know, write, fill in the circle for the guys you want to vote for. I love doing that. But, you know, you get older, you don't look at that as much. And certainly the voting, what's it? It's all online now, right? I couldn't tell you the last time I voted online for an All-Star game. Like I, In fact, I'll tell you, I haven't. I've never done it. So, uh, there you go. But when you do look at them, I, you know, I, I saw the headline and they drew me in. And here's the deal. If the voting ended right now, here's what you got. Here are the leaders for the outfield spots in the American League. Mike Trout, Lorenzo Cain, and guess who? Jackie Bradley Jr. Now, what's interesting about the outfield spots is, in fourth place in the voting is Mark Trumbo of the Orioles, who you're going to see in this series this week at Fenway. Behind him is Mookie Betts, who just leapfrogged Jose Bautista. And Betts is right behind Mark Trumbo. Betts is jumping up and leapfrogging guys so quickly that it almost looks like Betts could even come up and leapfrog one of the the starters. You could have Jackie Bradley and Mookie Betts in the starting lineup in the outfield for the American League. On top of that, you got Xander Bogarts right now leading at shortstop and Big Poppy David Ortiz leading at DH. Imagine that. Jackie Bradley Jr., Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, and Big Poppy. Your four, star- four your Red Sox starters for the All-Star game. And you think about last year, the only Red Sox player was Brock Holt. Now, Xander Bogarts should have been the guy last year as a, you know, as a utility, as a you know somebody that they add late. But instead, they added Holt, manager's decision, because... The game means something, and if you're going to add a utility guy, 
I think you add, you know, I, I think it made sense to add the utility guy, Ned Yost, right? Kansas City. And you know how his mind works. So it made sense. You add the utility guy who's having a great season, who can play all these different positions, when you know towards the end of an all-star game, you're making all these pitching moves, you're getting guys in, you're moving guys around, you're doing the switches. Someone like that is is would be you'd be better suited to get someone like that than someone who just plays one position like a Xander Bogarts does. But if the game didn't mean anything and you weren't going to manage it like that, then then I think everybody agrees. Even someone like Ned Yost would agree with this that Bogarts should have been the lone Red Sox All Star last year. I mean, the kid hit three twenty to end the season, and what I've told you from Bogarts. This year, even though he had a couple of shaky plays in the field on Sunday in Minnesota, still, he has been great all around. Fielding, base running, at the plate. Um, given Bogot's season last year, I told you, I think coming into this season, people forgot how good Bogot's was. I think we were so wrapped up in Deflategate that it just it didn't really register with people coming in that he hit 320 in a full season. It's amazing. And his, his defense at shortstop improved to the point where he silenced all the critics. Nobody was talking about how he couldn't play short anymore. And you had a lot of people talking about that going into last season, trying to tell me that. And I said, well, just give him some time, would you? Give him some time at the position. Last year, Bogots, he showed that he could be a superstar player in this league. This year, he's confirming it, that he is a superstar player. And it looks like he's going to be in the All-Star game and, and could be one of possibly four Red Sox starters. So that's, that's an exciting uh, thing to see in the voting. I don't get too wrapped up or worked up about All-Star game voting, but that is it's pretty cool to see, certainly, as we get closer to that. What's the All-Star game? A month away? Maybe a month from this week? month from tonight, actually, I think, right? In July? The 12th, I think? Uh, so it's a Tuesday night, usually the All-Star game? So uh, we'll see how that voting goes. What's voting end? 30th, June 30th, I believe. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. But uh, huge series tonight at Fenway. I'll keep an eye on it. I'll be watching this game. I'll react to it on tomorrow's podcast. I'm here five days a week. DannyPicard.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, Anywhere podcasts are available, you can get this show. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all forms of social media. I am out. Oh, once again, Seed Geek, uh, Beantown Athletics, and if you're looking for food in the Dorchester area, anywhere, really, make sure you go to Molinari's Pizzeria. Brand new shop on Adam's Corner. Pizza is absolutely dynamite. Their apps, their appetizers, all their apps, they're delicious. Again, the only wood-fired brick oven in Dorchester, Molinari's. I'll be back here in the Beantown Athletic Studio tomorrow. Talk to you soon.